0: This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.
1: So hello and welcome back to our Be well podcast. I'm Becca Walker, your host, and I'm joined by a new panel of guests for today's episode, where we will be discussing practical ways to reduce exam stress and getting the most out of your revision sessions. So without further ado, can each of our guests introduce themselves to our listeners, telling us who you are and what you do here at Aberdeen.
0: Hello, I'm Wendy Laurensen, one of the academic skills advisors in the student learning service with a particular focus on uh, study skills, uh, including uh, revision, exams and so on.
2: My name is Emily Bigger. I'm a BSc student of Applied Sport Science.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Olivia Theret. I'm doing my master's here at the University of Aberdeen. I'm from Canada, so I'm an international student and I'm studying global health and management.
1: Great thank you guys and thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. So revising for exams can be stressful if you're feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information that you're trying to remember. Good time management can help you to feel in control and learn more effectively. How do you guys go about planning your time during exam season to juggle all your deadlines and do you remember to schedule in self-care?
2: So what I do is actually one of the services from the student learning services online they have different planners they have a semester planner a monthly planner and a weekly planner so at the start of each semester I do a general plan which goes on my wall of the semester of each of my courses and the most of the main deadlines but even little ones but the good thing about that one it can also have it has sections for your family and your job so you can put other things in to make sure you can juggle how much time you need to leave for each one And then I just do a brief monthly plan because I don't want to overplan because that's the thing I found in school that I I overplan every little minute. So that's where I get more with my weekly planner. I go in a bit more detail, but I always make sure to leave room for if stuff goes wrong because you never know what's going to happen. And you don't want to stress out with this rigid plan if something goes wrong. One thing I found really important is with planning and self-care is I plan in my breaks. I plan when I'm going to have lunch, when I'm going to have dinner, and even when I'm going to do exercise, just to make sure that I have that time to reset instead of just grinding at it all day
3: um so first off that's really interesting that you mentioned the planner emily because i was not aware that there was that resource with the university so now i'm intrigued about this it sounds so great that it has all those different sections about family and the new social life and school so for myself i guess i have my own way of like planning things like obviously i don't use the planner but i, li- I like to do to-do lists that's my way of doing things And I like to adapt it to every single day to try and set realistic goals. And I also just want to say that for anyone listening, they now feel like they need to have uh, a super intense calendar planner. Like it's not for everybody. I do just want to note that because I've heard recently someone was saying that they have like five different Google calendars and one for every different little thing. And for me, like for a moment, I was like, I now need to have five different Google calendars. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, it also needs to be what works best for you if that is doing a to-do list or if that's having the university planner, that's awesome, but also find a way that works best for you to organize your things. And then as for like self care, I think for sleep, that's a big one for me with trying to make sure that I have enough sleep during exam season, because I know that for myself, I need sleep. Like I know some people can write an exam with two hours sleep, that doesn't work for me. So I need to make sure that I'm getting my minimum amount of sleep. Obviously I'm gonna have the last during exam season, but I need to have the bare minimum to like be able to function and still do well in my exams. And I guess also juggling self-care, but then also just doing basic activities. Like sometimes I feel guilty if I'm taking time off to go and buy groceries, but I have to remind myself that I do need to eat and I do need to do groceries and it's okay to take a step away from my studies to go and do that. So also just reminding myself of those things. And that also applies to self-care, of course, that you really need to integrate those so that you can do well and throughout your exams.
0: I think that both uh, Olivia and Emily have said some fantastic things there. One of the key things about planning and organising is it's highly individual. Uh, It really does depend on the person as to how organised they want to be. Sometimes the more organised we are, that that should be counterproductive. Um, And especially if we've not... Uh, factored in what I call wiggle room um, that you know things that we thought we could do don't get done and that can then lead into stress and anxiety. We're, we're actually quite bad at judging how long a task will actually take or how much we can get done in a certain period of time. So plans um, are really good if, uh, as, if they fit us and by that they must be realistic and they must be achievable. So we're interested in, you know, giving our goals and challenges a home that allow us to see ourselves completing those and being able to move on nicely. Uh, sleep, that the looking after ourselves is really important. That gives us a really strong foundation on which any other studying that we do can be based. Um, there are five basic things that sort of it's worthwhile thinking about. Number one and the most important is sleep because it's while we sleep we learn. If we don't sleep well it means all the stuff that we've been spending so much time on the day before doesn't actually consolidate and also it affects our focus and concentration the next day so it has this sort of double whammy effect. Um, so sleep is our number one priority and it's quite often under the stress of exam time it can go out the window, um, but actually it's trying to pare it back. The other thing are food and fluids. Um, I, again, it's eating good quality food because of all the nutrients and the fluids to keep ourselves hydrated and also to transport all those Good things around to keep our brain optimum. Um, And then uh, other things that have been mentioned are it's about exercise, getting some exercise and some rest and relaxation. Um, So, exercise, I think sometimes people think it's about again, it's about quantity, you know, having to go to the gym for hours on end, but um, it's actually uh, a short. 10 minute walk, power walk around the block is as beneficial. Uh, and studies seem to be indicating things such as you know exercise after a study session seems to help um, that information go in and stay in a bit better. So look, definitely looking after ourselves. Um, it, it, it's really important, but particularly around um, exam time, when uh, we feel those extra stresses and strains and can just sort of knock us off the track a bit.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with with what you guys were saying and it's really interesting to hear you guys talking about planning because for me, I'm definitely a planner and it's something that if I can feel super stressed one day that I've got so much things to do but if I haven't written down a to-do list I can like log onto my computer the next day and and think I have nothing to do if I don't have it written in front of me but um, I liked what you said as well Olivia around making that like realistic and it doesn't work for everyone because I have also been guilty of over planning and like you've said Wendy not having that catch-up time in there So I think, oh, it's going to take me two hours to do this. And then I've, you know, scheduled my whole day, almost hour by hour. And then that can become overwhelming too, because you can feel like you haven't achieved anything or you just don't have time for... For eat, you know, I've not scheduled my lunch break, and I've just thought, oh, I can do this, this, and this, so oh, I can eat as I do that, and that's that's not a a healthy way to do that. So planning a a hundred percent is key, but it really is important to plan in dinner time, lunch time, yeah, going out for a run, a walk, or anything. It it's so important in terms of optimum motivation as well. You know, if you sit at your computer for. hours a day your productivity is going to be reduced as well and I know it can be so hard during exams when you think I've got that deadline but actually taking out taking like a walk for half an hour you might not think that you have oh I don't have half an hour to do that I've certainly been guilty of feeling that in the past I don't have half an hour to go for a walk but actually when I have forced myself out I'm generally still thinking about it, you know, when I'm out and about, you know, I'm thinking about what am I going to write in the essay and I come back and suddenly I'm able to write more words again. Something around just taking your break and getting away from your computer as well can be so, so helpful as well as having that time management as well and knowing I spent X amount of time on this assignment. I now need to spend some time on the other assignment and it doesn't matter if you haven't finished the other one especially if you have conflicting deadlines if they're both due on the same day you want to be able to work on them both at the same time
2: I just wanted to go back about one thing Wendy said about that catch-up time something like one of my mum's colleagues she said I think it's at the end of the day I think she puts it like four till five and she has a slot and she puts note time I think is what she calls it and it's literally just time to do It doesn't matter if it's, like, writing up a report or even checking her calendar, doing emails. It's to get that time of stuff she hasn't quite managed to get to or have taken longer than she thought originally would take and just get it done instead of stressing out and, like you said, not moving on to the next task because they haven't quite finished the previous task. And I think that's quite a crucial thing to have.
3: I just had a few things that I wanted to add. First off, Emily, that's so interesting about your friend's mom allocating one hour. I feel like I might try to do that just to touch up a few things that I don't get done throughout the day. Um, But then just to touch on two other things uh, that I guess Wendy was saying I'm building off of uh, Becca. So one was the Scheduling again, like for me, I wasted time before trying to make like a really pretty calendar and schedule. I color coded it and it was so nice, but I wasted so much time. I ended up realizing like that's not the priority. Like I could have done a different way of doing that and just go on the same product and then could have worked on my assignments. So like I don't want people to get too caught up in that because I was pretty colors and all of this and make it nice and to look at and all these things. And then also for exercise, that's a big one. I think that I always try to incorporate um because obviously you're like so busy and you don't want to go but at the same time I find that if I can actually go to like you said a walk or go to a dance class I find that helps my mind because I'm still thinking about the project but then I do have moments where it's forced me to think about something else and it allows me to get rid of some of that stress and energy it's all built up inside of me so it helps release some of that energy so that when I come back I'm like a little not relaxed but I feel like a little bit more collected so then I can think better once I'm back and my mind's had a bit of a break as well and then like you said Becca like you actually take a step away from your screen which I find sometimes my eyes are going to fall out of my head because it's looking at your screen for hours all day so I definitely think that exercise is a big one to incorporate
1: to study schedule during exams yeah definitely I think sometimes as well if you get stuck in that rut of sitting at your desk all day, you can quite often be procrastinating anyway. Like I've certainly caught myself, like you know, flicking through my my phone or something, and I'm like, no point in me sitting here doing that. If I'm not going to be doing my assignment, I'd be as well get up and go out, do be productive in some other way, whether it is go for a shopping, go for go for a walk, and prepare myself to study later on that day. And I know we've spoken about it a little bit already, but sleep is so so important when we're studying um getting a good night's sleep will help us to learn our best improve our state of mind and hopefully help you feel a bit happier and less stressed too so I just wondered in your view do you think your stress levels affect your ability to sleep or do you think you're more stressed because you haven't had enough sleep what do you guys think
0: Right. Um, I, I think it's probably both, uh, to be honest. um. There's definitely sort of like a bit of a feedback loop there. And what happens is it just feeds into each other and exacerbates and therefore everything just gets uh, worse. So you're stressed because you can't sleep. You can't sleep because you're stressed. And it just go, goes on. Um. I, I think there's, there's quite a few reasons why we get stressed around exams. One of them is learned habit, is that we think of it as being stressful. So the next time we have an exam, our brain already thinks this is a stressful situation and ramps it up. And it can. that's how we build up exam anxiety, is that it gradually just gets worse and worse and worse. Often it's about fundamental things that we need to be thinking um, about. Sometimes it's just the word revision uh, can trigger um, things and just changing it i had a colleague who called them quizzes instead of re- instead of exams and um and i i say, i don't use revision i tend to use the word revisiting we're revisiting for various things we're revisiting to see what we know now we're revisiting um to see um are there some things that i didn't manage to get done uh, i'm revisiting to see actually now i've Got towards the end of the course, those things have fallen into place, and i actually understand those now. We're revisiting, and that sometimes is a is a help, you know, we, to get away from this ter- this word revision, which can build up a lot of connotation as a time of stress and anxiety, where we're trying to shovel as much information in our brains as we possibly can. Um, so there there are some things that you know to consider, and that is. Um, we can be revising and studying well in advance. I think sometimes there's a perception that it's about spending hours and hours. That's what we need. But I'll often say to students, actually, it's not the length of time, it's the quality of your technique. So it's about having short sessions which have a specific focus a, a particular task this is much better for goals and challenges is where the brain knows what it's supposed to be doing it's not too big not too woolly um it's got you've got a specific task and if you've got several of them organized it then means if you don't fancy doing one you were thinking about doing that normally you just give up you can say well what else have i got here which one do i fancy doing a bit of and um, i can do a bit bit of that and that's what when we're dealing with um planners is to build in this flex this flexibility of options and choices of things. Another big factor is actually doing things at the right time. We've all got times of the day when our brains are more receptive to study than others. If we try and do it at the wrong time of the day, it takes about four times longer to do exactly the same material, and we get frustrated. So it's always worthwhile doing a bit of a check and trying. You Probably you've got an idea yourselves when you're able to focus and concentrate better. It could be you find you can really get going after about ten o'clock until about lunchtime. Then maybe you've got a bit of time later on in the afternoon, and then you've got maybe a bit of time in the evening, and we've got these what I call optimum times, and that's when the more challenging things we can tackle those better uh, at those times. Our slump times that's when we need to step away, uh, and the longer we go on trying to work, uh, we go past our peak and we drift down onto what I would call our low level, our passive level that we can keep doing for hours. But actually, we gain very little from it, whereas a break, trying again, seeing if we can up our concentration a bit and having that awareness, metacognition as to what's going on, makes it then that we're, we're managing it much better.
3: Um, so I guess same thing for me, like when you said, or is it both? I like shouted to my screen. I was like, both because it is both. It's this vicious cycle. It's also like you're stressed. You can't sleep. And it's like, if you're going to the airport or something next morning, you know, and you're waking up early and you got to keep waking up and looking at the clock and then you're counting down. Oh, how many more hours of sleep? Can I get The little hamster wheel in your head? Just never stops talking. So definitely both. And Wendy, I really like that word that you said of revisiting instead of like revising because I guess it doesn't carry that same weight of like initially like makes you (laughs) sweat when you hear it but then it also in a really nice way acknowledges the fact that it's building off of what you've already learned throughout the semester because sometimes when exams start I get stressed out because I'm like oh now I have to like learn everything and put everything into my brain together and mush it all together but it's like No, you've already learned some things. You remember some things. We just need to revisit the concepts and then build off of that and add in what the little parts that you're missing or forgot. So I really like that because it doesn't give that feeling of starting from scratch during the exam period. And just listening to you talk when just makes me feel like, I mean, I I'm doing my master's now. So I already learned some skills and know how I like I function during exams, like through my undergrad, but I feel like it would have, I would have really benefited from like hearing you speak before exams like especially my first semester at university I think that would have been so useful to hear someone say like look you can't study for hours all day; like it's just not feasible. It's not productive, because some people are somehow able to do it. But I feel like I would have really benefited and like appreciated hearing from you. So I, I appreciate hearing from you now, seeing these things, it looks like makes me feel better. <laughs>
0: thank, thank you very much. That's that's very nice of you to say that. Um, but this, it's never too late. I mean, we do a lot of work with postgraduates, so we're here for both the postgraduates and the undergraduates. And um, just linking back uh, to what Emma was saying about um, we have Achieve and Achieve Plus in my Aberdeen in the organisations area where a lot of our handouts are placed that you can just go and look at. So we've got one on um, creating and using planners that give you a bit of a background how to use the different types of planners. And uh, we've got things such as 20 top tips for motivation and studying. Um, we've got 30 top tips for revising and ones on uh, one of them is called my revision pitfalls and sabotage techniques. Um, uh, 10, um, 10 uh, tips how to deal with all those things such as panicking and procrastination and so on. So it's worthwhile going and having a look at the um, the sites in uh, my Aberdeen and just sit and seeing what's there if there's anything to help.
2: I've always been quite lucky in the respect that I sleep like a baby through just about everything. But before an exam, that I get a thing, like Olivia said, of you go to sleep fine, but you wake up constantly. So I actually found I have a borderline strange obsession with the Big Bang Theory and Brooklyn Nine-Nine they just calm me down if I watch them on repeat. So one thing I found was just watching one of them, even just an episode or two, before I went to bed, I slept so much more soundly. I was so much more relaxed. And even though I wasn't studying to the point I went to bed, I could remember so much more. And I've always, as my mum is an educational psychologist, I've always had it drilled into me of sleep, sleep, sleep. So that's what I found. And Wendy said something about find your optimum zone for studying. I actually had a switch that in my first year of uni, I studied really well at really unsociable times at night. But recently I found it so much more practical that if I get up about half six and start studying at seven, I get so much more done. And then I've got an evening to relax. And then I sleep better and then I remember more. But previously, I got that extra sleep in the morning. So even if you find one way, it can always switch. So you've always kind of got to keep that, keep checking. It's not just, that is my thing, that is me set. Just keep checking and finding that. So I rechecked mine when I was getting a real slump at night. And I'm like, I'm not getting anything done. I'm just wanting to sleep. So I just switched it. I just tried early morning and I got it done so much quicker. Procrastinated less and remembered more.
3: That's so interesting, Emily, that you talked about swip, switching your schedule because I'm more of a person staying up at late at night doing my work, and I'm always like, would I be more productive in the morning? I don't really know because I can't wake up in the morning, but I'm glad that you were able to successfully flip your schedule around. But that's interesting you mentioned about Big Bang Theory and Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I have a friend who she does the same thing with watching Friends, so she'll watch Friends before she goes to sleep, and she'll also do it Right before an exam, she'll like the time before some people like myself and Claire, I'm guilty of this, like cram everything to like the minute you walk into the room. But for her, the way that she works is she'll watch a a friend's episode, like a You know 20 minute episode right before so that she calms down and that helps her go into the exam and i guess that just really falls down to everybody's different with how they prepare for exams because i also have friends who stay up even later than me and then they only have two hours of sleep and somehow they're able to function but i know that wouldn't work for me so i can't put myself through that either so it really comes down to like how does everybody work and what works best for you? And I'm glad that you're able to sleep like a baby, Emily. But like for me, like I, I can't fall asleep. I have such a hard time with that. I wake up, I have nightmares. So it's just like everybody's
1: different. I think it it's so interesting what you're all saying and how... Um... Back to the original question, does uh, does lack of sleep make you stressed or are you stressed because you haven't slept? And it is so right what you were saying. It, I 100% agree that it's like a, a vicious, vicious circle. I'm studying a master's part time. I was working full time. So it's like for me, time management is really, really important in terms of what my optimum brain functioning for certainly doing assessment so I normally do all of my coursework in the evening because I'm working during the day but when I have a lot of assessments and stuff coming up then I, I take time off work so that I can do that during the day because I know that I can get my words out better certainly if I'm writing an essay during the day than I can in the evening. It can sometimes be really really difficult and thinking oh, I want to get this finished before I go to bed and then before I know it I've been working till say like half past 11 12 o'clock at night and then I go to bed I'm really tired I'm like oh, I can't do anymore I'm so tired and I go to bed and I just lie and stare at the roof for ages because I can't switch off that's really been a lesson for me sometimes if I'm like oh I've got uni work to do tonight and then I am like do you know what you're gonna do better if you don't do that uni work tonight and just go to bed so then, you know, I can get a head start the next day. I really like what you were saying, Emily, about getting up earlier as well. Like, I, I I, do personally find that's helpful for me. Like, I like to get up and exercise. And I find that that gives me motivation and energy. I'm more switched on first thing in the morning. So then I can get, you know, all my priorities done in the morning and later on in the afternoon when my brain's maybe a little bit more tired, I can do less taxing things like it's it's so interesting that, like, oh, I, I don't have enough time to sleep, I want to get this finished, but I remember I was just finishing my thesis and my undergrad degree, and I think I had about maybe six hundred words left to write, and I was like, I really want to get it done tonight so I can read it in the morning and then submit it because it was kind of close to the deadline, and I was like really stressed, really stressed, and you trying to finish It was basically just my conclusion that I was doing, and it took me like so long. I couldn't get these last 600 words out. I was, my brain was working so slowly and then I decided right I need to go to sleep and I'll set my alarm and I'll get up at five thirty in the morning finish. I you know I was cautious of like the time deadline that needed to be submitted. I thought if I stay up all night I've got I don't know 18 hours to get this done but if I go to sleep I then lost nine hours and then I'll be more stressed. Anyway I went to sleep got up at half past five in the morning and I had I'd blasted those last six hundred words are out in honestly about an hour, whereas last night it was taking me so long. So that really struck home to me that go to sleep, your brain will work so much fresher in the morning. I was just like disappointed that it was like my final thing at university that I was doing that finally hit home to me, Stop trying to stay up late. So I've certainly learned that with doing like my master's now that actually it's fine, switch off, go to sleep and do it in the morning. Definitely, I found it so much more helpful.
0: Um, Somebody once described um it to me that um we have a stress bucket and that during the day, we fill it with all the things that are going on. And during the night, during sleep, the brain sorts through it and empties it or reduces it. And then in the morning, we can start filling it up again. It allows us to cope. If we don't sleep very well, we don't empty the stress bucket. So we wake up in the morning and everything is, is already overflowing before we've even started doing anything else. And I think that was quite a nice explanation of the importance of sleep in in helping us to actually empty and deal with things, because things in the middle of the night seem so immense. And then in the morning, we think, why was I bothered about that? So somebody else once said to me, write things down, write things on a notepad, just have that by the bed. And if your brain's ticking over about things, just jot it down. It allows the brain to park it. And then you look at it in the morning and you go, what was I bothered about with that? Um, the other thing are those those distractors that you were saying about watching television programs. Is we need to help the brain calm down. And it's so wound up in itself with what we're thinking about but just by trying to help it think about something else it it helps to calm that side down and and then allows us to to move on I mean there is a problem with as everybody's aware of now of um, the light emitted from our phones and devices and so in the blue light uh, that is affecting our sleep and um they're saying that even those people who are saying, oh, I, I fall asleep, it has no effect on me, when they've done studies, they're finding that the uh, part of the sleep cycle where we learn and we create memory is particularly affected by the blue light uh, and the lights from the screen. So even though we might feel we're sleeping, it's actually having this effect on our memory. Um, so that, that's why a lot of people talk about sleep hygiene uh, about having a good sleep routine whether um, it's a breathing routine to try and calm ourselves down i tend to use that it doesn't it works about 9 times out of 10 where uh, just breathing and then i find i drift drift off because i'm focusing on something else i'm focused on counting and breathing now, it doesn't work for everybody but it's trying to find something that that helps us for the majority of the time and uh, to calm the brain uh, uh, down a little bit.
2: That's an interesting thing you said about getting to sleep, because another one that I've been made aware of is, I believe it is called a body scan. It gets called and you just lie in bed and you slowly go through each point, relaxing each part of your body and most people say they actually get to sleep before they even get to their feet because it's just that relaxing down. I've personally never tried it, but I hear it get really, really good results.
3: Uh, that's really interesting, Emily. I have tried the body scan. Um it helps me calm down a bit, but or like get sleepy. I find that another one that also helps me is the like sleep stories those ones, I don't make it to the end of them. I'm, I fall asleep. Like I stop paying attention after like five minutes and then I actually fall asleep. So I find for me, those help a little bit more than the body scan, but I find, if you find some good sleep stories, some of them will actually incorporate that in the beginning of the sleep story. And they'll tell you like, okay, before we start walking down this path, we're just gonna take some deep breaths and then it already sets you off on that path. So I find that that also helps um, if you're trying to fall asleep.
1: Yeah, I can definitely um, recommend a sleep podcast or something with like white noise really helps me fall asleep. I don't know, it's something around stops my brain from thinking. I don't know what's in the sleep podcast that makes it work, but I've yet to get to the end of one of them. Actually, I don't even know how long they are. So that would be really interesting to go and look back to see how long an episode is to see how quickly that I've fallen asleep. I think I can guess the answer to this already. But we all know it can be hard to feel on top of things and in control of ourselves when we're we're learning all the time, but there obviously is things that we can do, and we've kind of discussed it a little bit already, but what is the one piece of advice that you would give to another student who is a little bit anxious or nervous around about their exam season? Make
2: sure you get sleep, and I don't know if it counts as one bit or two advice, but plan but don't overplan.
0: I know this main not seem uh, particularly helpful but the, uh, what I was saying, saying to you it's only an exam <laughs> it is not life threatening it is not and that if you can actually demystify the exam and put it in perspective then actually that lowers lowers the stress often what's associated with this is, is our expectations of the exam we set ourselves something like I, I won't be satisfied unless I get an A1 and so our our expectations we I call it self-fulfilling prophecy I know I was rubbish so I'm going to set myself a target that is so high that there's no way I'm going to re- uh, reach it so therefore that will prove that I'm rubbish it's self-fulfilling prophecy whereas yes we want targets and, and challenges but they're often the wrong ones um, somebody once explained to me it's like Goldilocks uh, call it the Goldilocks Um, the sweet spot that when we're setting ourselves goals and challenges they shouldn't be too easy but they shouldn't be too hard they should be just right and that's how we want to be thinking about how we're tackling the exam and the exam itself is we have to have this right perspective of it so that we can actually see ourselves achieving and success and that leads to happiness and that leads to perseverance so we're more likely to do uh, do some more so it's about setting the right perspective that there was a book I can't remember where it came from now and they had it saying that it's not rubbish and zero and 100 percent perfection it's actually not a straight line it's more like um, a circle and what we want to do is set ourselves the challenges of what's called good enough and good enough is where we will have some satisfaction, but it's not superhuman. Uh, you know, I, I, if I wouldn't try for the Olympic high jump, I'd be starting off something that's maybe six inches off the ground and then seeing how I manage. And then I would build up and gradually build up till I got to the point where I know what's right. And therefore, I need to put in a little bit more effort to improve so that I'm gradually improving and not starting off with something that's perhaps you know, just not the right thing at this particular time. So, uh, you know, that's what I go back to it's only an exam. You know, it's, it, it's not the end, end of the world. De-stress it and you're then more likely to do better. If you set yourself the right challenge, you will overshoot because it's, it's in the right place. If you set it right at the very top, you've got 1% of getting that 99% chance of not getting it. You, the odds are against you. So that it, it then causes it to be more stressful
3: so I think I'll end up (laughs) saying a few things as well Um, but I will I'm trying to think of the best way to like encompass so many things in one but I think the best way for me to I guess for my piece of advice would be to know yourself and then to break that down into two things of one knowing in knowing yourself know your limits know how much leap you need to function because everybody's going to be different. And it's okay if you need more sleep, because I find sometimes it's like, oh, I only had two hours of sleep and I still pulled off this exam. And then I feel like, well, I need six hours of sleep to pull off an exam, you know what I mean? Like, so know yourself, know your limits, know how much sleep you need. And and then also knowing, like Becca, you said, with your example of knowing I need to go to bed and then tomorrow morning, I will finish this conclusion. That's another example of knowing your limit and then redoing it in the morning and reassessing in the morning and then same thing with like you need to eat so again that comes down into knowing your limit of you need to still eat throughout the day and then that also in knowing yourself that also comes down to doing your best which I think most people end up trying to do their best during exams and that's really all you can do so again knowing yourself and sometimes that's just what I all I can do to remind myself is like I'm going to do my best and I know I can do a good job. I It's me, like I trust myself, I'm going to do my best. I know it's like a lot, but I'm trying to encompass it as like knowing yourself is probably the best way going into this because you're the one that's going through it. And then I also just want to, as like an aside, uh, just say to Wendy, like, thank you for saying that it's just an exam because I know it is, but at the same time, it's always hard because Our grades and exams are like the only way that students get actual validation for what we're spending so much time and work and energy and effort on. So it's hard to not think that the grade is a reflection of yourself. So I always find it, even though I know this, it's always nice to have that reminder of like, it's okay, like your grade does not define you. And it's true, our grades don't define us, but it's very hard to remind ourselves of that when you're in the thick of it. So thanks.
2: I know I've already said my point but there's one that I've got highlighted that hasn't actually been mentioned yet and it's one of the things that I've been told in the past it's one of the things that Wendy has mentioned at our um, workshops is that you need to find a study space that suits you whether it's at home or the library I know some people study fair at the library I used to be one of those people but I've actually found that when I'm at home, I can have my post-it notes on one side, my pens, my highlighters for if it comes, and I can have stuff in front of me. And you can also create a zone that is relaxing as well as productive. So I have fairy lights up because I find that really helps you. It's a room that gets lots of natural light because I bar my fairy lights. I generally don't like artificial light and it's warm but has a breeze at the same time so it's all the optimum things for me that means that I will study the best and I feel that that is important for stress because if you can't find your study zone you're stressed that you can't study and that just adds to the stress that you already have whereas if you've got your zone you can study and you feel like you're doing something productive which I certainly found lowers my stress levels.
1: Thank you guys for sharing those amazing tips. Like there's some tips in there as well that I'm going to go away and try. I think it's so helpful. And I I really did like what you you said, Wendy, about putting things into perspective. And I think for me as well, like when I first started at uh, the University of Aberdeen, obviously we have a few assessments for each course as such, whereas my previous university, it was all or nothing based on that one assessment. So I really like that you know, part of the University of Aberdeen, if I maybe don't do so well in an essay, but I excel in like a presentation, like you've got strengths in different areas. Um, so I really like that. And another thing as well, my advice for a student would be is look at the percentage of this assessment that you're doing towards your grade for that course. I spent such a long time stressing over one of my exams that I had. And ultimately, it was 10% of my final grade. So I should have been pushing that stress towards something that actually had more weighting, and it was something that I was like I do well with this 10% it'll like help and you know it was good for my confidence to then you know say oh I can't do it I've managed to pass I've got a good grade but actually it was almost it wasn't a waste of time because I got the grade that I wanted but I could have been better using my time on something that was a little bit more important obviously that 10% is is important but ultimately if you've got something that's 60% and 10% you should be spending more time on something that's uh, weighted 60% so I guess that would be my piece of advice is try to keep it into perspective and if I don't do so well on something that's 10% then that's okay and I, I really do like that we've got different ways of of assessing students at the university as well so we can hopefully draw on out of all your assessments that you've got something hopefully there's one that you're stronger in as well so try and focus on this is what I can do really well in and I guess yeah like that was the biggest thing for me that yeah I should have been focusing my energy on something that was worth was worth a little bit more in the grand scheme of things and I think like our students at the University of Aberdeen are so lucky Um, not just biased but uh, so lucky to have access to a wide range of support services to support their learning needs and we're really lucky to have Wendy with us here today so I wonder Wendy if you can just tell us a little bit more about what you and your team can do to support our students who are maybe struggling I know we've touched on a little bit today already but it'd be good just to get a little bit more of an insight on when we should go to you for support. Uh, Yes well
0: the student learning service is here for all students from first year right the way through to PhD. So we work with everybody and it doesn't matter what uh, discipline you're in either. So whether you're from archaeology to zoology, (laughs) um, we work with with all the students. Um, We have um, workshops which are just about coming to an end at the moment for this semester, um, which cover various aspects of uh, study schools and academic writing and also maths. So we've got those. Uh, we are doing sessions for the PGTs over the um, summer, starting in May through to June, covering things like reading, note taking, academic writing, and so on. So, Olivia, you might be interested in those. Uh, we also have our online resources, which I've mentioned in Achieve for undergraduates and Achieve Plus for post postgraduates. They're in the organisations section. Um, of my Aberdeen, And then we also have one-to-one study advice sessions where you can meet with the most appropriate advisor for your request um, to try and tailor things to you. So if you wanted to look at at studying or revision exams, um, time management, um, presentations, things like that, probably be me, but it could be one of our academic writing specialists if you were looking at um, maybe going over a piece of written work that you've had marked and have got feedback so we can look at particular aspects of your uh, written work that may uh, give you some help and advice and we've also got a maths advisor so if you, your course has got any aspect of maths in it um, then Uh, we can help with that. And we also have uh, our specific learning differences um, staff as well, who work with students um, who've got dyslexia, dyspraxia, ADD, ADHD, uh, autism. Um, So we have a a, a wide range um, of resources for students. So I I don't think there's any student we don't touch (laughs) in some way or another. Uh, I hope that's, uh, that's okay, Becca. Yeah, thank you, Andy. It's really great to hear all the support
1: available for people and I could certainly uh, speak out for the fantastic disability team who they've been so great, like I've, I'm dyslexic and they've been so great at supporting me and making sure that I have the reasonable adjustments in place for my assessments, which has ultimately helped, you know, reduce my stress levels coming up to exams because I know that I've got the support there, which is so, so helpful. And I wonder just kind of before we close the session, but Emily or Olivia or both of you have, uh, either of you used any of the services at the university relating to studying or support and would you recommend them?
2: Uh, I have to second your point, Becca, about being a dyslexic student. I have used both the normal one-to-one sessions as well as the specific ones. And I found both of them actually helped because it gives me a wider idea and then pairing those with the workshops really helped me because I go to one of Wendy's sessions I think the last one I went to was about memory tricks and then I used that one and then paired it with what I learned from my one-to-one and came up with an idea that suits me perfectly and allows me to get the most out of everything so I'm in my third year obviously the second semester my third year and I have tried for now almost six semesters to find a technique that works for me and for my lectures I've always struggled with getting notes down as I'm sure Becky you can second me on when the lectures are flying through the lectures and you're trying to even get just the slightest note and they're already on the next slide uh, especially with online lectures now I found that just printing out my slides putting them in and then making notes as the recording goes along, it then helps me with stress and revision afterwards because I can just go back and add little bits in around the slides and use my notes to revise while looking at the slides instead of having to swap over from a notebook to my laptop. And it was because of the workshops and my one-to-one session that I came to that conclusion.
3: So for myself, I can't say that I've attended the workshops unfortunately but uh, Wendy I will look into the ones that you mentioned for the PGT starting in May. I am familiar with Achieve Plus and I guess for me for the student services at the university we're more along the lines of like mental health services so counseling and I know through the chaplaincy they have like pet therapy where you can have a session with a dog which I've used to help because that's another thing at least for me me, I mean, anxiety, mental health, just in general, but then especially during exam season, that can make them worse. And so it's important to remember to seek help if you need. I also found that for myself in December during the exam period, um, my homesickness got even worse than it already was because I'm an international student and I'm here on my own. So remembering those things like the counseling sessions, or also, like I said, the pet therapy sessions, with the chaplaincy, or even they have a little room where you can go in and just get like free tea and coffee. And I was able to just like sit down there and they had like little stress balls and they're like, oh no, we have this. You guys can come in and stuff. And I was like, I had no idea. And they were just like, breathe, take a moment, take like 10 minutes, drink your tea and then go again. I needed that to like settle down and stuff. So that's probably more my point of view as to the university services. But I must say that I have been like very impressed coming here with the amount of services and care that the university does have for its students.
1: Thank you, guys. Yeah, I can definitely ag- agree with the, the chaplaincy. We call it like the safe haven on campus, just somewhere to go if you're feeling stressed, to somewhere just to relax. And like you say, you can talk to someone there, you don't have to talk to someone there, you can just take a minute and it's definitely somewhere that I recommend p- for people to go if they are just feeling a little bit overwhelmed and just and just need a minute to to chill out. You know, it's definitely one of the places to go on campus. So thank you so much for highlighting that. I just like to to thank you guys for coming. I, it's been a fantastic episode. I have learned so much from you guys, um, and I'm really excited to put that into practice. Hopefully, um, get a little bit better work life balance and reduce stress around exam time. So. I really hope that through our discussion we'll be able to help some of our listeners who are maybe struggling, giving them some um tips to try to help them feel a little bit more in control and reduce their stress levels throughout the exam period. And if any of our listeners would like more information on any of the services at the university, if you just go onto the University of Aberdeen website and search study well, you'll find all the uh, support available there, and we'll be sharing all the links in the episode description as well. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Take care and I will see you next time.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.